Hello and welcome to Everyday Channel number 108, your favorite, most deceptively named bi-weekly legacy podcast. If you want to support the show directly, you can become a Patreon on patreon.com slash everydaychannel. Callum, how's it going, man? How How is your very special day? I hear the entire United Kingdom of Great Britain, Northern Ireland, and I think there's even even some people like on, on, on the Isle of Man and what else is there, like Jersey, Canary, like the, the, those in the, in the channel <laughs> yeah. Jersey, that are not Guernsey. actually part of the UK. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Have you been there? Are they celebrating with you for your special day? Because it's your birthday, man. Happy well, birthday, of course. Dude. Thank you, thank you, Ma- thank mate, you. mate, right? Uh, mate, that's well, the mate. British version. Fucking geezer, mate. Oi. Oi, oi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, the the Queen put like a national holiday today, so we've all taken a moment of silence to drink our tea in in support of me. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm not actually much of a birthday person. I uh, I'm not into celebrating too much and stuff. So it's been a quiet day. Just went to work, did my thing. I've had a couple of beers now, so I'm allowed on this show. I've always been very good. I like press the mute button when I'm opening a new beer in the other podcasts. But this time I'm like, fuck it, it's my birthday. I'm going to open the beers loud and proud. So you're going to hear this. This is what makes you a professional, right? What are your podcasting skills? I know when to press the mute button. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've learned over however many episodes I've done now, 30 or so. I've learned the the mute button. I don't know much else. But anyway, <laughs> we, we will see. There's actually not many other buttons. There's a raise your hand button that we basically never use. I thought this oh, yeah. is the smartest thing ever, and then we have never used it. Like I'm, I, ju- I'm I just raised my hand. <laughs> nice. Yeah, and then you have to click your icon to to put it down again. Yeah. Oh, oh awesome. <laughs> but yeah, you you you're old now. Have you like? What, yeah. what are some like typical old people habits? Did you get like oh. one of those lawnmowers you can sit on and and have your bingo I, card ready and stuff? You know what? I didn't realize until until you've just asked this question, but I bought myself some socks for my birthday. If that doesn't Sorry. like sum up being old, I, I don't know what does. I got myself some new trousers and some new socks. Um, but Which color for the socks? Just plain black. Plain uh, black. Yeah, I always wear black clothes. So, Got to be done, got to be done. But no, I joke aside, I'm going out for some drinks this week and seeing some friends and stuff. But yeah, it's been nice to, I got lunch bought for me at work. I'll take that. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, and speaking of work, by the way, I'm returning to the office uh, next month. So first Ooh. off, actually, I don't know if it's going to be first, but yeah. Uh, first is, is it like your first September? day in the office since the beginning of COVID? Kind of officially. So the first in one and a half years, because I've been to the office like on okay, like occasionally here and there when I really needed to, to like get some files that we didn't have online and stuff or when like the server broke. But this is going to be my full return, my first full return to the office. Wow. Because were you working there full time before? I guess it's a big yeah, change. Yeah, yeah, for, yeah, like, yeah. I've been there for eight years now. Are you looking forward to it? Uh, on one hand, yes. Um, on the other hand, no. Uh, no, primarily just because our technical setup is like pretty fucked up. But that's, on the other hand, like that, that ties into that. I have a lot of ideas, but I really want to improve because being stuck in home office for like one and a half years, I've got really gotten to appreciate a lot of technical gadgets and part of that's like having multiple screens and stuff. And there's mm-hmm. so many things I want to upgrade. There's, um, I will sooner or later also have to train somebody to fill in for me uh, eventually because I haven't had like vacation in one and a half years. So like right now yeah. I'm sitting on 48 vacation days. That's insane and I really want to go. Yeah. Yeah. 
pretty much like I, I don't want to go like on a holiday far away, but I'd still love to go like just like chill out for two weeks. Yeah, yeah. Sort out everything in life. Finally finished the everyday Turner website. By the way, it's really <laughs> making progress, which is part of why I haven't streamed. The other part is because I smashed in my screen with my MKM. Oh yeah, the, the last episode. <laughs> don't remind yourself. Oh man, yeah. I, I, I had to decrease the volume on that like tenfold. That was so <laughs> loud, like it actually it destroyed audacity almost i think kai and myself when it came across as like holy shit is julian like being i don't know raided like people breaking into a house it's just a huge bang <laughs> but yeah, i i yeah. really do hope you get to find someone some time off like i'm, I'm in a not as bad but similar situation where i was like instrumental to the company getting through the lockdown and everything i was the only person working and i was working nights and stuff and i think i've had about a week and a half to two weeks off in the last year and a half or two um but they they've they appreciate that and they know that they've said like you know it's amazing you've done this blah 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 and uh, i've got like a whole week off in two weeks just to do absolutely nothing sit around oh that's the best yeah go for a that's walk absolutely play best. some leagues stuff like that oh. so i hope you can get the same <laughs> looking forward to that yeah. oh man that's gonna be so great. where can people send applications to to get a job with you uh probably to me julian at it's julian.com it's julian at it's julian at it's julian you need to you need to be able to physically come into the office and uh, like we're in a suburb of Munich of Munich um, if that works, and yeah this is this is gonna be interesting like I, I used to train people for the for the job where I volunteered at like the the elderly daycare basically but I've I've never trained people for like a proper job I think you recently <laughs> did that for your job right? I, I'm <laughs> currently a month and a half into training someone and uh, it's okay I've never ever done anything like it before so I don't know getting there. Just gotta like keep telling them things. <laughs> as simple <laughs> as that is. It sounds so dumb. Like I just keep messaging and emailing and writing out long lists of all these things to do, and then they don't do them, and then you have to tell them again. And like, look, this is how you do it. And like, how do you do it? It's like, I told you in big detail in this big long email. Please read it. Yeah. <laughs> Getting there. Just remember, like I just watched Training Day before the podcast. Have you watched that? I think I did when I was a teenager. I remember. I remember the cover. And I think I watched it on VHS and it was terrible. But what's it about? Was it was terrible? Actually, I, I kind of liked it. But it's not the kind of movie you watch over and over again. Like, I have some okay. favorites. But <laughs> I think Denzel Washington actually won the, the Oscar for, for the best oh. main actor in that one. Maybe it's all right then. Oh. My, my taste could be terrible. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so, um, we I thought I'm just going to send out a request for listener questions. And somehow we always end up with way more listener questions than I anticipated. <laughs> yeah, so, seriously. We, we were thinking, like, we'll go over the, the showcase challenge especially. Then we'll go over the other challenges and, like, thoughts on the format as well. It's good to always have a recap of what's going on. Anything you know, exciting. But actually, we've got so many questions. And they're they're all really good. So I think it's going to be a nice mailbag plus catching up on results yeah i guess one day we're actually going to do a dedicated mailbag episode because um right now i still try to have it so that our questions are somewhat related to um the upcoming show uh but like if you want to do an entire mailbag episode in the future i think if people are up for that you can literally ask us anything mm-hmm. Sounds good for to this me. one um i've split it up into two parts so the first part is like very general questions about the format and callum's birthday <laughs> <laughs> and the second part is about the legacy showcase and the legacy challenges on the weekend and the kind of metagame winners uh losers best performers worst performers and stuff that we have seen there and some of the listener questions that don't appear in the first segment they have been put into that second segment because they they are directly related to what we see in those numbers sounds like a twin situation to me two parts (laughs) 
So let's let's go straight into the first part. The first question coming to us comes from SC Telly. And that one was actually for Kai initially. Unfortunately, it reached us right um, after we had finished the episode with Kai. But I still think it's quite interesting because he's asking, do you feel like streaming is saturated these days? What do you think... Um, what do you think your stream does well to differentiate it from others? So um, the, I included this one because I, I'm wondering, do, do you feel like especially legacy streaming is saturated these days or how's the market for legacy streamers like right now? I don't. And yeah, I, I agree. Keeping these questions is really good because I'm sure you have some thoughts as well. Um, legacy has always been a format that's built up on this idea of deck specialists as well. And like for the best examples like anorag he's known for playing miracles and now he started to expand and stuff but he still plays a lot of control that's what he's known for and he's also just known as being like a, a legacy person now but then you have like xj cloud is popping to my head he, he's dnt specialist he's fantastic with the deck eli goings who's goblin lucky one with surprise goblins uh again like he's been doing incredibly well recently with his like show he We'll get to it later. Top eight of the showcase after top eight in the uh, showcase challenge recently. Um, I'm going to be forgetting tons like uh, interplay, cloud post specialist. I could just rattle off tons of amazing streamers. Um, and so even if there's a lot of them at once, I don't feel like it's saturated because I don't think there's a lot of crossover. Actually, funnily enough, I think one of the least streamed decks is probably Delver, uh, even though it's like 20% or whatever. Like we have Rich Cali who streams it sometimes, but otherwise I don't see that many people streaming it. So I think you have streamers who are deck specialists or you have very interesting people who um, play all different archetypes, like namely uh, Bosch and Roll, Brian Koval, and uh, Phil Gallagher, Thraven University, and yourself when you stream Julian, you take lots of really interesting donation deck lists, especially from oh, kind, that, that, kind a, MTG. There's, yeah, there's a really interesting one coming up with a value shared fate. <laughs> I love it, I love it. Ugly Duckling 2.0. But um, so the point I'm trying to make is, for me, it doesn't feel oversaturated at all. Um, or did he, oh, he said saturated. I've just been answering the question wrong the whole time. Anyway, my, I think my point is generally on about it. So, um, But I guess saturated and oversaturated is yeah, kind yeah. of the same in the end. Yeah, I think so. Um, How do you feel? I, I, uh, I think it's definitely not saturated and or oversaturated. It's, con it's somewhat concentrated um, basically in the European late afternoon, early evening. There you have a lot of crossover, uh, and what what I really like is when new people from different time zones come in. For example, Kai when Kai streams, that's amazing for me. That's that's just like I can have that on during the day, uh, or when you, you know Dukes when Dukes on Twitch streams. That's also like something I would sometimes put on in the background when I'm like up in the morning, and that's just like what time zones bring to you. So especially Kai was such an amazing addition mm -hmm. to to the legacy streaming scene and i'd love to see more of that um, well actually <laughs> now that the office day is starting up again i won't really have that many opportunities to to watch those guys but yeah that, that that's just for example for me there's there's streamers like um i rarely ever watch charvis just because of time zones right charvis usually um, for you it's like a little bit easier one or earlier yeah and, he and often starts at the like latish evening which is when i'm kind of having some time to do something yeah. else yeah. And then there's Anurag who's like all over the place. <laughs> he literally <laughs> yeah. streams like any time of the day. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's nice having a nice surprise if you're like not doing something according to plan because <laughs> I, I can't watch streams at work. So I'm kind of morning and evening only. So I do watch Dukes when he's on in the morning, which is a nice thing for me. I wake up. Oh, that's like, oh. so great. That's yeah. so great. 
brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> I, I very often when I wake up in the morning, I check my phone, see what's going on, and then like kind of put a stream on, and usually fall back asleep before the next alarm. But if Duke's on, I'm like, okay, I'm going to get up and have a coffee and watch. But another reason why I wanted to to like explore or keep that question um, for this episode as well is I think that with regards to quality like production quality legacy or not even like legacy like legacy is probably above, above average with that mm-hmm. but generally speaking it's still underexplored in magic for example you see I keep going back to Kai because I love his stream so much I actually recently subbed <laughs> mm-hmm. and and he's got like really good production quality from from zero to to 10 in, in a week I called it like I mean it's not really 10 but it's it's very very, very high yeah. standard above average and I think a lot of people could do that like whether you want to do it I, I mean it, at some point it requires a money investment or like a time investment that not everybody can or wants to make but uh with regards to that I think you can really really stand out if you improve, improve your production quality like you have guys like Anorak who's got top like I, I almost want to go and say maybe the best production quality in all of magic like hmm. I, I don't really I watch other streamers of other formats, but he's basically up there. Yeah, and <laughs> I I, I, I want to say if, if people have that ambition to make their stream look nicer, and I know that for a lot of people, like with anything in life, it's like oh no, it's all about the essence, it's all about the content. I don't need aesthetics, aesthetics and stuff, but it really helps. It really helps, and I think that's what streaming is still undersaturated on and and yeah the the more people the more ideas the more maybe you know somebody's gonna step up the game and and yeah that's that's something i see still underexplored undersaturated yeah i would it's like it's a bit of both right but i think it without one the other one's gonna fall flat on his face they're like both very important and it is true like you'll often find like a very interesting person and a, a good streamer and they'll be playing but it'll be like you know you'll just hear loads of background noise bad mic and i know it especially turns you off and it's just hard to watch for a long period of time so even if you want to watch the person you won't you just won't be coming back to them every time whereas kai just has both in bucket loads he's like charming he's a good player he's funny and nice i'm just gushing here and as you said his <laughs> his stream setup is just fantastic because you know it, the, the quality is great he's obviously made the investment in both time and some money to get like a computer that will support it the microphone's good quality and he streams at crazy hours he streams like in the middle of the night and stuff for himself so he's really making <laughs> an effort to make the stream good and successful and he's now just consistently getting like 200 viewers off the bat it's amazing and yeah couldn't be happier for him because yeah go and watch him <laughs> Awesome. So yeah, if you're thinking about getting to streaming a legacy, definitely yeah. do it. Just just start to. I, I will never forget my very first stream title eight years ago was, "Hi, my name is Julian, and I'm." St- I think I called it like, <laughs> "I'm starting to stream legacy by just doing it." I think that was my very first stream title. I was like, okay. "Whatever, the, let's just do it." Until the very end, that's the most German thing. Just like to explain what you're doing. <laughs> Hi, my name is Julian, and I'm streaming legacy perfect <laughs> <laughs> moving on uh another question coming to us from colonoscopy <laughs> i will never grow tired of that name i love it non-empty jury related what are, what are each of yours ideal birthday meals mine's gonna be really quick and easy because i'm just not a foodie person i um, don't really appreciate good food which is awful to say so i'll go for a couple of beers <laughs> <laughs> sounds good sounds good yeah i mean in, in bavaria we call that basically a meal cool i'll have bavarian meals for me it's it's really like exploring something new um exotic uh i think last year uh i was taken for dinner 
and we went to I think it was like a Mexican Tex Tex Mex place, and and I tried something new I've never had before, and yeah, that's that that's just like a great thing for me. Um, sometimes my best friend and his wife they invite me for for dinner on my birthday and stuff. Um, I think we did that not last year but two years ago, and. Yeah, that, that's just like what what I like doing to try something new, and yeah, that, that's a good part thing. Yeah, yeah, I'd I'd go with that. Um, I haven't actually. Yeah, tried but I don't think they would things. take you as well. <laughs> Fine. Oh my god, I'll be left outside just drinking like a hip flask and crying. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's so good. Moving on, Kinda is asking, what are the best answers to Caldra complete? Is it really pronounced complete? It looks so weird. Mm-hmm. Is it even beatable? I've got the best answer, so let's see if you okay. can work it out. Is it Vindicate? No, wait, it's it's not Vindicate. <laughs> um, but I have like a proper answer, but I guess you have a funny answer. Okay, well, it depends how high you, highly you value like getting into their mind and making them tilted. Okay, so 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 my idea is actually like don't think about Kaldra complete as as something you beat. It's like the deck and the strategy that you beat. I. I Unless your deck is like something like check pile, you don't really think about beating cards one for one. It's more like, mm-hmm. like in some way, you're always like looking for virtual card advantage, right? Like if your opponent has two Tarmogoyfs and you have a Baleful Strix, they never really want to attack into it. And and that way you're already ahead. Uh, but with Kaldra Complete, it's like, if you want to beat that thing in a strategic way, you just put a Kaldra Complete into play that's one bigger or something. Or uh, So, so your answer like, is Glorious Anthem. Is what I'm <laughs> My answer is basically it, this is this is so far removed from how I think about the game that I mm-hmm. I can't really give an honest answer without like completely compromising how I think about the game, which like sounds kind of pretentious, I guess. But it's I, I'm not looking to beat an equipment. I'm, I'm yeah, looking yeah. to to create scenarios where the equipment isn't good. I would play fumble. What fumble? Do you not know fumble? What does it do? Okay. Uh, apparently, I don't. I need to look up the exact text, but Fumble is really good against Kaldra. This is where I haven't actually read the card. Oh, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. I think I know what it does. Isn't it the thing where where the equipment becomes attached to something else? Uh, you return target creature to its owner's hand, gain control of all auras and equipment that were attached to it, then attach them to another creature. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> How much mana is it? Like one or two? Two. One and a blue. Oh, dude, yeah. do it. Do it. So that's like, that's the the sickest blowouts and like they will never forget that if you fumble someone's college complete they're gonna tell their friends and be quite upset about it for a while they're like i mean it depends what kind of player they're like oh my god i can't believe i lost this fucking bullshit card um <laughs> yeah you can also i i was just watching lsv stream before we started recording and he was playing modern blue white control and the art mages charmed the germ so and then because it's seven man to re-equip it takes them so long to get there they're probably dead by then so. oh that, that used there used to be this thing that we actually played on legacy like 10 years ago it's two mana uh and char- uh, target creature phases out and i can't remember the name of it reality something so you mean you could sapphire charm the artifact the equipment but they they changed the wording on um phasing i know this exactly. only, only yeah. because our london chat shout outs to canarino uh, this came up, but this was a suggestion of the Sapphire Charm, and uh, someone pointed out that phasing changed so that it would actually come back the next turn. Yeah, that's basically the same way it worked with the other card. I, I can't remember it right not. now. It's what people did, I think? No, no, I mean, the other it's card, an instant. Okay. It's two mana. You you would, like, phase out the, the token, mm-hmm. and before, like you mentioned, like, before um, phasing changed, anything equipped to it would remain phased out forever. And, I see. Yeah. 
I don't know. Anyway, fumble has got to be the answer. Well, you said glorious anthem. You're, you're stuck. Sorry, that's your answer. I'm going with fumble. <laughs> that's the worst answer. <laughs> shout, out, shout out to Archimedes Charm, but yeah, glorious anthem. Okay, nice okay glorious anthem. Watch out for the spike. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be there. Uh, Moving on, we got a question from Lord Francis. See, the, the British nobility coming mm-hmm. in for, for the questions here. Welsh nobility. Uh, Franz- oh, Welsh, see. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> By the way, did you hear about the Welsh guy who went on a holiday to Afghanistan? Yeah, I think I told you about him. I did, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. And he got yeah, stuck there. I think he's now. back now, but he's he. this guy is what you guys would call a proper mad lad. Yeah, mad lad <laughs> is exactly the term. Yeah. <laughs> I have so much more to explore in British English. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> it's <laughs> so great. Francis is asking, with the return of some paper events, has the difference in what people choose to play in paper and online been noticeable to both of you? And when will Julian come to the London Legacy Monthly? Uh, second thing is, um, I, I, I'd love to, like, in maybe a couple of months, but it's so hard to predict with COVID, right? At least in Germany, like, things are super hard on the rise again. And I reckon I, it's, it's going to be, like, a, yeah, a few months. Maybe after the new year is probably more safe when everyone's going to be traveling freely. It could be sooner that you're allowed to. I'm not making your decisions for you. But. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like to- I, I can't tell you yet, but you, you already had like uh, some couple of great su- suggestions like Friday uh, Cube at the Bar, Saturday mm-hmm. Legacy, Sunday Pre-Innistrad Legacy. Oh mm-hmm. my God, sign me up. Yep. So the idea is, so for anyone else listening that like is in Europe or the UK and fancies that kind of idea, um, the moment that it's kind of like travel is easier, which I do think is, yeah, it depends how everything goes. You say it's unpredictable, but a couple of months away. Um if you and I was t- we were talking to Mark earlier, Mark Eric Vogt, um, if you guys are going to like tell me that you're going to come over for the Saturday event, we do it once a month. Um, I will completely just put on events all around it. So Friday we could do either a day or just evening of being in a bar and cubing, which is always fun, obviously. And then Sunday we can do pre Innistrad. Uh, Mark wants to play some old school with people as well. We could just play loads of old sweet formats and stuff as well. So yeah, we'll make a really good weekend of it. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I'm like I, I've ta- uh, I've mentioned how I need to just like relax and get some time off work. You do. And, yeah, you do. That's, that would be a great part of it. Yeah, and you don't need very long, but yeah. yeah. For the first part of the question, um, I, I guess you can say more. I think you've played more. Pay- I haven't really played any paper events. By the way, on Tuesday I went to our local um, legacy at the bar Tuesday night for the first in I think one and a half years. Oh, yeah. How was it? <laughs> and felt amazing. It was absolutely amazing. When I came home, I feel felt like rejuvenated almost like this this is this it's, is like i so got to good. meet people hang out eat wiener schnitzel and have a good time yeah what's not to love about it <sighs> i so after our first tuesday back i was just yeah buzzing just smiling like it's yeah. just it's so different like i mean i joked in our discord that I, the first week back i played against two blue red delvers out of three rounds <laughs> it was just quite funny it's like tell ragavans <laughs> can't escape it but it does it didn't matter like it was just so nice interacting with people and it, yeah it was an absolute joy. And um, so I think we've gone to th- four weeks now. Of, we've done a month back of weekly Tuesday nights. And um, we've done our first weekend back of London Legacy Monthlies as well, which quickly, I'm just going to talk about that before we finish the question. Just like shout out to everyone that came. It was absolutely incredible. Um, we did a Saturday and a Sunday. The Saturday had 34 players and the Sunday had 24, I think. Um I just couldn't have asked for more. Everyone was there, chill, nice. Um, special shout out to some Birmingham guys that came down. Uh, 
is it Tom, Kieran, Kieran, Dylan? I think, I hope I got your names right. They were absolutely lovely to meet and they said they enjoyed the podcast. And um, we had just really cool top eights as well, really fun. And like everyone was using advantage of the the proxies allowed, but also like had half the decks made it felt like as well. So people were playing things that they wouldn't usually be allowed to play, but they're clearly into legacy as well. And um, I'm just so, so excited to have them back. And <laughs> we've, we've already sold out the September one. We sold it out in three or four days. 40 players, again, like kind of capping it to have a nice spacious area. But yeah, to sell out so fast was kind of, we expected it to sell out, but not that fast. So yeah, amazing. Paper hype. That's great to hear. Um, yeah. I, I hear the, the one coming up in uh, in Freising, like northern suburb of Munich, for uh, I think it's September 5th, is already sold out as well. Even though, um, yeah, we like I'm not involved with the organization, I don't know whether it's it's probably taking place, but we like since COVID is really on the rise here, there's mm -hmm. there's some new precautions, so we we were seeing, yeah, yeah, we, um, we, we are going off the premise to... of like if if everything gets worse, then we need to consider, but. So yeah. far, it's looking okay. Yeah, so, sorry. with regards to what people were playing, um, for the one event that took place here, uh, from what I've seen the results, it looked pretty much like what you'd expect um, from a paper event. Like, I guess some people played Raga once, but I didn't really see too many of those. Um, from what I saw, most people played what they played before the pandemic started, uh, except for, like, somehow Allure is really popular. I think the guy who won it played Aluren, and then another guy built Aluren, and they, mm. they really like that that Ar that Archlich. Yeah. Archlich. <laughs> we we had a guy top eight both uh, top four both events with a, a Yorian Aluren as well. It's quite cool. What, what is it about Aluren? <laughs> Aluren, the, the Aluren cards free. need the Aluren cards need more value, so Yorian has to go into obviously, and uh, yeah, something about Aluren is kind of cool, and it's like the deck's not bad at all, but it's expensive to build in comparison to its power level i guess so people just don't want to invest in it potentially is That's... it expensive what's expensive for Aluron? i guess the mana base uh, the mana base is usually bug and it has a bunch of jewels because it's either three or four yeah. colors and then yeah it's like plays then a four... bunch of like draft commons <laughs> well it plays like forces euros um i don't know you know i have absolutely no idea how much euro is on paper no it's, it's <laughs> probably like a five and now it's all banned and everywhere yeah i'm, I'm making it up <laughs> People oh, okay. Just, See, this, like this is how we do it on this podcast. We just like, <laughs> make it all up. Like, legacy doesn't even exist. You've never heard about it. It's like, hey, you heard about this this new format, legacy? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's an everyday turn. Everybody plays it. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, I have no idea. Um, yeah, it's it's just cool. Like, yeah, people. There was a food chain player uh, on the Saturday as well. So people struggled. I guess Alluren's not as bad online, but food chain is horrific to play online. So maybe that's part of it. But but for us, I have noticed a bit more kind of fringe or tier two decks being played but there's still a lot of people playing good cards as well there's there's been a bunch of delvers there's been like jeskai is that even good anymore <laughs> <laughs> maybe but we, we've also seen a lot of jeskai good cards i'm, I'm calling it all these different archetypes that like people are saying saga still ragavans whatever Stifle, stuff it's whatever. just it's just blue red good cards so yeah i've seen a lot of those as well Ooh, I'd read good Cheskai good stuff. Cheskai good stuff. Yeah, it's just like whether you have Delver or not, it's 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 all kind of similar to me. It's only a matter of time until people start adding, you know, Yorian to that deck. <laughs> well, I don't even know why, but yeah. Yorian to give your Dragon Rage Chandler vigilance. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really bad, right? Especially with Noctite <laughs> Regent. It's like, hey, you're a three three now. I'm pretty sure Yorian's most usability is just pitching to force though. 
that's not bad. Oh, you know, some people are going to do that. No, 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 the extra card is worth it to me. I want to pitch it to Force. See, this is, this is how I play my... <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And then they'll open with Ragaran every single game, still. <laughs> uh, Francis has another question, um, which kind of ties into that. If at all, do you think the movement toward proxy events will change the offline-online deck selection difference? Because, you know, it's it's much harder to switch your deck around uh, offline just because of logistics, but also at costs, whereas online, usually decks are way cheaper and it's also like much easier to switch. Do you think like allowing pro- proxies is going gonna, is gonna to change that a lot? I think you'll see... You'll see things change, but towards both ends of the spectrum. So you'll stop seeing people playing like random mid-range piles that stopped being very good like six or twelve months ago. I think you'll see people either use the use the opportunity to play like the the up-to-date tier one very very good decks, whatever they may be, or you'll see people playing completely meme craziness like value shared fate nonsense or something, and they'll use this opportunity <laughs> to like I don't know. I've been I've been sorting through my collection this after, this afternoon, and I flicked through a um demonic pact i was like holy shit i can just play demonic pact by printing off proxies <laughs> um so people will probably take this advantage to just play really weird stuff as well so yeah i think you're gonna see both ends of the spectrum and then what you actually see completely depends on the event so if the event has good prizes you'll probably see people try harder and not demonic pact and shed fate but um if it's like a weekly weekly like our london tuesdays yeah i think so far people have been playing actually quite good decks but i don't know i think we need to step the uh, the mimi up a little bit but we'll see <laughs> yeah you know for me like i'm already too lazy sometimes to put together a certain deck on on magic online even though i have like infinite oh credit God. on card harder i'm like oh i have to like get the list uploaded and and then put it together and wait for the bot and I'm like uh, let's just play f's again <laughs> <laughs> so in paper i i have maverick here and that's probably what i'm gonna play for quite a while until it becomes unplayable and i think that's that's gonna take a while uh i i i I guess the actual difference comes from, for example, for me, when I have the desire to play something off the wall, I can just like do that on Magic Online, play it for a couple of leagues, and then be done with it. Whereas if you don't have access to Magic Online, then your only outlet to play something crazy are those proxy events. And I think if you don't have access to Magic Online, then you might be more inclined to you know try something out and have some fun with it. Whereas for me, I, I don't really have a desire to play something interesting or crazy in paper i'm i'm just there for the hangout on magic to be played you know yeah that that's very fair as well makes sense like i do have access to playing online as well but i don't know for me i don't mind making a bit of an effort each each week just to have a, a fun tuesday but so yeah. far i've played like kind of normal stuff i think i played espimental last week um mono blue painter and madness so kind of normal <laughs> <laughs> so which that gave you the best result madness uh yeah no yes maybe two one with madness two one with painter and one two with espimentor so clearly brainstorm sucks is is what i'm getting from this yeah yeah this is what we're also getting from the showcase <laughs> qualifier right we're, we're gonna get yeah. into that in a moment yeah, true. before we have one last question from franco Bolli. what is your birthday beer the best question beers yeah so i've actually i've just finished one called the chicha sour from house of hamilton i i like all beers um, as long as it's not lager, really. So I've just had like a very f- red fruity chicha beer. And now I've moved on to a City of Cake chocolate fudge cake stout. Which what is the qu- fuck? Is that, isn't that a cake? <laughs> it's, it's quite something. And then after this, I've got a Step Into Nitro Black IPA from uh, Harbour oh, Brewing. So I I especially like sours and, and uh, stouts, basically. But I mostly drink IPAs in pubs. So I don't know. Hit me. Bring it. I don't even have a favorite beer, so 
Just whenever, <laughs> whenever I'm in like a nice bar that sells those are different fancy ones, I'll try anything that I've not had before. Have, and then, have you tried Tusca? I'm not sure. I never remember the names because I try all these different ones and then get drunk so I don't remember which one I've had. Tusca is the one from Kenya, like the, the big famous one. It has like an elephant with like tusks on it and that's why it's called Tusca and that's what everybody Tusca. in Kenya apparently drinks. Like I've never tried it, but I know about it. Oh, I see the picture. Uh, doesn't look familiar. I don't think I have. You better get me some then. I, I can actually try next time I'm down there. Oh, it's a lager though. I'm not massive into lagers. Oh, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> <laughs> I need to introduce you to the joys of beer. I'll like, get you for, chocolate. For one, for one second, I was also like, oh damn, yeah, it's a lager. I'm like, what the fuck does it even mean? <laughs> lagers just, I don't know, they're, they're not too bad, but they're kind of a bit watery and nothing, not, don't have a strong taste. Okay. <laughs> I'll introduce you okay. to chocolate fudge cake stout. Uh, uh, <laughs> the only, like, I've only, I, I think I told the story twice, but the only two times I've had beer, it was like given to me by millionaires. And like, mm-hmm. I still be the first believe. commoner to give me a beer. Oh my God. You're calling me a commoner? I'm going to get Francis to give you the beer then. <laughs> yeah, Fran, we've got to call the version of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> awesome. So what we want to look into in the next segment is the Legacy Showcase Qualifier and the results of that. And for those of you who don't know, which are probably going to be a lot of you because even we had to look it up and like technically we're supposed to know what it is because it comes around every like, I don't know, four times a year or something. Um, the Legacy Showcase Qualifier is part of a ladder of challenges and qualifiers that ultimate you make you, I guess, the world champion. It goes like... You have a legacy challenge, which are those weekly events. You top eight one of those challenges. You qualify for the legacy showcase challenge, which I think is once a month. Mm, that's uh, not quite right. No, no. So I see already off the race. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, weekly challenges are just challenges. You win prizes um, once per month. There's a showcase challenge, and you can only enter that with QPs, which are qualifier points. Um, and then the top eight of that all get an invitation to the showcase qualifier no wait hold on do the showcase challenge yeah. no the showcase this is qualifier. so fucked up i can't believe the, the that sh- you're trying to explain the this. showcase <laughs> challenge the top eight all get an invite to the showcase qualifier yeah you're right yeah and the, the normal challenges don't qualify you for anything they just get you qps if you top eight uh, you know what i, I, I want like mark ross what to come out and explain <laughs> this to us. i've got i've got i've got it so showcase challenge the top eight of the showcase challenge qualifies you for the showcase qualifier the qual- showcase qualifiers are every um, is it a month three or three months. months? Every three months. And they are small. They are roughly 27 players. It depends on... And there's last chance qualifiers the week before each one. And then, yeah, 27 players. And it's very, very top-heavy prizing. The top eight get some, some stuff, whatever. But the first place person gets a Proto invite and a Mox invite. And... Um, the mox is like you know minimum seven thousand k or something five thousand k. No, it's 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 uh, seventy thousand k prize pool for the entire mox uh, right. for the entire. Well, it's called a ch- champion showcase. They change that name like every two hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and th- it's it's going to be a really small event. That's only eight players, and they split yeah. eight at seventy k between them. So I don't know what the first place price is going to be. Probably like something like thirty th- or oh, forty thousand. Yeah, so 40, the, EV, the EV of it is crazy good. Um, yeah, so. Try and get to that, people. You heard it here first. <laughs> but um, yeah, that, that's the end goal. And so, yeah, these things are very top heavy. And so we just had another one. And so if you want to get into one, it's very clear and very easy. They make it very easy for you. I think I had to explain this to you and like three or four other people. 
Yeah, I think you've explained it to me like five times by now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, I think I, like for a moment, I think I understand now. it again. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, you, I actually like, I, I was a responsible podcast host. I looked all of this up to date when I wrote the show <laughs> notes. And you know what's the most interesting thing to me? In the set championship, which is like the former pro tour that you qualify for when you win one of those showcase qualifiers, it actually says in the rules that if you can't stream your matches in the champions showcase, you will get disqualified. I'm like whoa <laughs> yeah but i guess because because it's an online thing they have to be able to show all the matches and uh if they can't but it's so crazy to me like we, we, i mean okay wizards has dropped out of those esports ambitions but mm-hmm. just the idea that because we didn't build a spectator mode into our client yeah we are now asking you to like you the the amateur streamer at best we are asking you to stream your matches because we just don't have a spectator this is this is like you know you have any kind of sport, say cycling, and then the organizers ask like all the, the the cyclists to carry like like a webcam and something. Hey, by the way, we we need some pictures from from the road, so you, you better carry this and you take care of it yourself and the Wi-Fi and everything. <laughs> this is this is madness to me that this is how it works. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. I, I mean, everyone's been talking about this for ages. I've been seeing some very angry tweets from like big personalities. They're just like, how, how do you not get there? With, the, with these ambitions as well, if they didn't have the esports ambitions, like you could kind of get it, but no, no. Yeah, I mean, on, on the positive side, this is all going to be over at, at some point. I'm actually still surprised that people still like qualify for these things, but eventually it's, it must run out, right? Eventually, like these showcase qualifiers will like only qualify you for the mocks and nothing else. And yeah, <laughs> well, there'll be pro tours still. Really. Probably. I had no idea. Uh, yeah, actually, I completely forgot they're scrapping everything. <laughs> Let's wait and see. I've no idea either. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, like, there's a thing going on this weekend where you can qualify for the World Championships, which apparently is also a thing. This is this is like so really? mad, mad to me. Oh, you know like what? MPL stuff. Uh, yeah, but I, uh, yeah, let's not get into that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Moving swiftly onwards like for, for like outside people to qualify, but I could be wrong. <laughs> Shall I do the classic Julian segue? And speaking of, we don't know what the fuck's going on. Should we go about yeah. the uh, the showcase qualifier? <laughs> the showcase qualifier, yeah, that that was something. Um, yeah. like you mentioned this is this is one of the highest stake events, um, but also like. One of the highest levels of play uh, mm-hmm. you, you you have in, in Magic on Magic Online, right? You the the playlist is like just wall to wall killers. Like we had a lot of like legacy specialists in there, but we have a lot of just incredibly good at every single format players as well. Um, do we, yeah, we've got the list in front of us, and like yeah, like you know half of them are specialists, just going from the top to bottom. We've got Ali, um, who who's known for lands. We have. Uh, JTL, who's uh, Espervile. We've got Cadrian, who's Elo and Goblins. We have um, Michael Mapson, who's known for like depth decks. Kai, obviously Doomsday. Um, Viverus, Tez, like uh, Thomas Mekin on band control and stuff. And I think those are like the one Eternal re- Weekend a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Kento like, Hikori. All of these are killers. Known for McWinsels, I think, split the Eternal Weekend filand, uh, yeah. uh, finals. Uh, Nathan Stir Stir is like very famous. Um, Phil Helmuth has won a bunch of bracelets on yeah. the World Series. Actually, that's not him. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the, the the ones I just ran through are just known for their legacy prowess. Um, I think all the others are just known for their Magic Online, especially prowess. Like Stainerson is god tier. He just I think he, someone added up his one like forty PTQs or something. I, I'm the probably fuck? I'm I'm completely over exaggerating there, but he's definitely won. Yeah, he's born like, like 38 and you're like oh yeah <laughs> no it, it's like around 30 or just under 
like he's been around forever and it's just absolute killer um so yeah but i can't, you know I can't I shout out everyone when you but win, everyone here is amazing when you win this many ptqs do, isn't it like at some point you stop playing in ptqs because you're like auto qualified for every pro tour or did you like bump out of all of them <laughs> I, I think i think he's done well at a lot of pts as well i can't remember yeah, this is just slander from my part. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, also just going back to like, the general good players. So um, Phil Helmuth is uh, Sam Rolf. He's actually a Welsh guy. And uh, he Ooh. he's he's number one on the Magic Online leaderboard. And so the top two qualify you for the box. And so he was number one. But by winning this, he also qualifies himself. So then it drops down. And then uh, Nathan Sturr, he was number two. Um, so he's qualifying for the mocks i think it passes down and then uh, i think um who was it uh mz blazer is i've forgotten his name now sorry if you're listening but super young but absolute absolute killer as well uh milan something um, oh, the, oh that guy yeah i think he'd like, like top famous the... when he was like even younger and he won like a legacy he, ptq or he top eight oh no he won a legacy ptq with blue white blade at the one yeah, that yeah, yeah, Daniel Virtual one so yeah he was he, i think he's number third on the like magic online leaderboard um these players are just insanely good at every single format they touch like they just i see them always like tweeting they're winning like back-to-back ptqs it feels like and or top eighting <laughs> at least so yeah. Anyway, what we're trying to in a roundabout say is this event was hard, like really hard, and so anyone that top eighted in this field is is doing something right. Yeah, and it's amazing because we have so much information about this event. Um, I, I was trying to look it up on the Wizards website, but they don't have the lists up yet. But <laughs> Cho Dyer's Data Collection Group uh, support them on Patreon.com/slash/LegacyDataCollection. They put together, um, all, well, not all the deck lists, but all the archetypes and win percentages for this event. Uh, Twenty-seven people. And surprise, surprise, most played deck, Blue-Red Diver with eight copies. Um, that's that's like 30% of the meta. Uh, second most played deck, uh, drops down quite a lot, Death and Texas with three copies. Cheskai Ragawan Saga uh, on two copies, Pant Control, two copies, Lands, two copies, Green White Depth, two copies. And then everything else is a one-off. And what really stuck out to me in this event is that Diver has an abysmal win percentage. And it's yes, so I know bad. sample size is rather small, but it's still like it's by far the most played decks. It played a reasonable amount of games. It's supposed to be really, really good, right? And it's basically, well, I, I want to call it the worst deck in the entire field because the only other decks that are below it are one offs like Omnitel and an unknown deck. Blue Red Diver had a win percentage of 30%. For what it's worth, <laughs> the, the unknown deck, um, they didn't play. They signed up for prizes and dropped after round one, like oh, into see, round one. I see. So yeah, only Omnitel did worse with one deck, actually. Yeah. Which and is the quite, size quite for, for Blue Red Diver, so it's altogether, it's 39 matches. So almost 40 yeah. matches and it had a win percentage of 30%. And well, let's, let's dive into this a bit because this is like, we can go over the other stuff in a second, but this is the most interesting like takeaway and like why is it so low? Because the players are obviously good. They've all qualified for this and we know that the good players played it. Um, first of all, Delver just has a huge target on its head. And it, like looking at some of the lists um, coming out, like people were like gunning for it for example eli with goblins he top eighted he had a main deck pyroblast it's just like one example i could see i think a lot of people were just building to be delver and the a lot of the delvers themselves were main decking two pyroblasts i think um <laughs> stanison stanison was actually you'll love this you've been saying for a while what point does it get to where delver starts to drop the forcibles for the mirror uh, he had three forcibles main one on the sideboard see see yeah 
He was he was a prophet. So Stenison was like I think he was oh it says Jessica Ragman saga. I thought he played Delver but just splashing white for source of plowshares. Um I'll have to check it out. But anyway, like people were very clearly massively metagame against Delver. So I think it's some parts that it's some parts like yeah, they had a lot of games. Um it's still a small field and it's still a small sample size. Although I really hate that kind of that throwing off it's a small sample size, I wouldn't really read into it too much. Um, it still matters. We, we still had very good players playing this thing. So, yeah, it massively underperformed. Do you have any other like reasons why you think it underperformed? Mm, not too much, really. Like mm. this is this is really the kind of tournament where where it really pays off to meta game really hard because you you gotta hit the good end of variance, right? Um, the first place is just so much more important than anything else. So you're not gonna really get to any any place you want to be without like being massively lucky. Mm-hmm. And part of that is like building your deck in a way that you can take advantage of matchups that you you really prepare prepared yourself for. So any like middle-of-the-road approach is probably not the best way to go. I think Ali also mentioned that he heavily skewed his sideboard um, for, was it non-combo? Uh, I, I would need yeah. to look up his list again, but I think that this is like, especially in a field as small as this with such top-heavy price payout, it makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. Um, yeah, he... Yeah, I'm just, I'm just putting it up. So he had three blasts, uh, three endurance, three force of vigor, two choke, four sphere of resistance. So yeah, I guess he has <laughs> <laughs> he has some combo hate still. But um, regardless, I mean, it's very very easy to say this now, like in hindsight. But looking at this field, that's and, why we are podcast, you know. We, yeah, we can always just we be sound like, oh, so yeah, smart. We explain the word to you. It's so easy. But like, it's no secret that Death and Taxes has been doing incredibly well recently, and it's it's. Death and Taxes has always been one of these decks where when Delver gets really good, it cu- pops his head up and it crushes them for a bit. But then Delver starts to play like two Blazing Volleys and an Null Rod, and then it starts to beat them again. But <laughs> Death and Taxes hasn't let up this time. It's still beating Delver, and it's, it's proven this again. And like XJ keeps winning events as well. And uh, Jason, who's Luanil, like he just consistently crushing with the deck as well. So I don't know. Maybe this is the time that Death and Taxes actually breaks through because I do feel like it keeps like putting its head up like hey we're really good and then delver does the delver thing where yeah it puts like three or four good cyborg cards and readjusts mm-hmm. but um i don't know yeah, it's I, I guess at this point but, but before we move forward uh, we should actually mention right that the, the um entire event was won by phil helmuth or i guess his real name is um sam rolf yeah on death in texas oh yeah texas. <laughs> we should tell say the results shouldn't we <laughs> professional <laughs> podcasters here yeah why don't you give us a rundown of the top eight yeah, so top eight, first place, uh, Phil Helmuth on Death in Texas. Second place, Ellie on Lance. Third place, Nathan Stirr on Blue Red Diver. Fourth place, McWinsos on Band Control. Fifth place, Burarun on, well, it only says Standstill. This could be like many different this things. Had, I was told it had Stifle Days and Ragavan, so. Oh, okay, so it's basically yeah. the Chess Guy Ragavan deck we also have in sixth place by Stanerson. Yeah. Seventh place, Chet Lin, known as JTL005 on Esperwild. Surprise, surprise. And eighth place, we have Eli going on Goblins. Oh, yeah. Fucking Goblins pulling up again. <laughs> and for what it's worth, um, the Jeskai Ragavan saga, like, uh, I'm looking at the list now. It doesn't have sagas in. It's just blue, red, it's just blue, white, red, white. Jeskai? There we go. <laughs> oh, without, does, without does it have, like, Timeless Dragon? Uh, no, no. It's just... Reasons. How does it take advantage of of the standstill then? It does no, it doesn't have standstills. The the sixth place list. Just... Oh, the Ragavan list. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Yeah. No, okay. oh wow. So no sagas, no standstills. So it's, it's just, like it's just like Jeskai Delva without Delva. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
yeah. Okay, like, okay, four, okay. Four Murktides, four Ragavans, four Dragon Rage Channeler, Cantrips with four Expressive Iteration, and then Forces, Swords, Days, oh, if Bolts. You, if you don't have Stanslers, you can have even more reason to drop the um, Forces because now you, force, yeah. Like you... Yeah, it looks pretty good. There's even a Ghost Corsh in the sideboard, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Definitely smart, I like that. Sweet. But yeah, so... I mean, again, so back to what I was saying, in hindsight, it's very easy to say this, but I don't know, in this field, which I think is quite easy to predict, but still hard to build a deck for, DNT and lands, fantastic choices, and it's not really surprising to see them in the final, especially in the hands of such amazing players. So, um, you know, there's three, there was three non-blue decks in the top eight, and most of the rest of the, the event was uh, blue decks. There was another lands, another DNT. And then a green white, two, two green white depths. depths. Yeah, and then the third, third DNT. Still, like that's just just under half the the decks top eighting. Uh, it's a pretty good win rate for the non cantrip decks. You know, I, I just want to see Morfolk come out again. And, and run. <laughs> I think oh, it's dear. like, yeah, it's it's probably like too crazy because you you can't really stop the broken stuff, and you are also probably like really behind against stuff. Yeah, actually, you know, scratch that. <laughs> I, think, I think I think right now everyone's like packing hydroblast, pyroblast everywhere because of Murktide region as well. Mm. But its time will come. Maybe that's why I play tomorrow for our local store. <laughs> we will see. Okay, we got a question regarding the meta game from uh, one of our patrons. <laughs> a slid Sikorowski. Sometimes I wonder, like, maybe you're supposed to read it backwards and make sense. Iskaroski. Okay. Anyway, question being, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, why do you think non-blue has done well recently? And do you think it will continue or will the blue decks just adjust and be back on top? You already hinted at like Diver changing one or two sideboard cards and, oh, yeah. and coming back. I didn't even um, see this question before saying that. Um, well, like it's been a kind of a, a cycle that's been going on for a long time, like I said, where yeah, it very often is just like throw a null rod in there whenever an artifact deck becomes good or something. But I don't know, it's just really struggling with the DNT. So it, I'm actually not sure. It's hard to predict. What do you think, Julian? Um, well, the thing is about especially DNT. I think it's really time to properly respect it again because uh, something like when I watch streams and when I talk to people, everybody's like, "Yeah, but come on, like it's still DNT." It's like, "Oh, lads, it's Tottenham," you know that kind, kind <laughs> of that thing. And I think you you gotta respect. It. And I think at this point, with DNT being played this much, maybe even more so on paper, but also on Magic Online, because it's by far the cheapest competitive, like really competitive deck out there. We're not gonna see few of this. Especially, you know, people love uh, Yoria and they want to play that. And when a deck has, like, very good content creators like XJ, they they naturally draw in more people to play it. So I think we're only ever going to see more DNT. And that makes it so that it makes a lot of sense to have, like, some better hate for DNT. And I think if you are in black or you can splash black, then I think cards like, you know, Virtuous Ruin, maybe even. Um, or... Holy shit. <laughs> Not even Plague Engineer. I was waiting for you to say Plague Engineer. I was like, oh, yeah. No, seems... no, no. You're Let's going go hard. Okay, everyone just, like, we can go for Nature's Ruin as well, right? Just uh, get those elves out there. Yeah, I, I'm just, like, trying to wonder, uh, trying to see, is there anything you might actually want Nature's Ruin against? And for those who don't know, by the way, Virtuous Ruin and Nature's Ruin, um, they are, like, three mana, um, two colors and a black. You destroy all green or white creatures yeah so virtue is the white and green and nature's the no other way around virtue is the, virtue is the, the white the, nature's the yeah. green um yeah. yeah that that is a nuclear bomb you want to drop okay yeah 
either that or Dread of Night. The thing about Dread of Night is, though, like you can still like easily Skyclave apparition it, and the Skyclave apparition doesn't even die while you do it. So True. I'm so yeah. and so on on that card. But I think something like uh, oh, by the way, bonus points if you get Virtuous Ruin, you can even bring it in. But like, okay, it's really bad uh, to kill Progenitors, <laughs> destroy all white creatures against elves. Yeah. <sighs> But technically, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, yeah. Technically, technically. I mean, it can yeah. happen. But yeah, this is this is. If you struggle a lot with that deck and you want something, um, it's probably more like for the control decks because it's still three mana after all. Diver is probably still gonna go down the you know blazing volley and stuff road. Yeah. But maybe there's there's some you know tricks. Maybe maybe there's some ways the Diver um, can adapt that I'm not even thinking about. What do you think about other non DNT non blue decks? And they're placing. They should play Avon Mind Sensor because it stops Recruiter of the Guard and Stoneforge, and I think that's really good. No, no, I mean, like, uh, what do you think of the placing? Like, how good are some other non-blue, uh, but also uh, things? I think Green White Depths is very good. Um, you know what I think is really good that nobody talks about? That literally nobody talks about? Should I try and that guess? That should be talking about? Uh... That really everybody should be talking about that nobody talks about? Zoo? <laughs> yeah right Sue <laughs> I'm gonna attack you with my card ape <laughs> you got me yeah, go no on. seriously Black Red Reanimator yeah I think that's really good I, I think know, that's really really good like if you go against control they're just like endurancing you and stuff I guess yeah, you, but, can, you can fight through it it's not the end of the world but the thing is like ever, ever since like I started playing that deck for like LPL two, well, almost two years ago and mm-hmm. then, like Eric gave me that crash course on how to play the deck uh, it really opened up my eyes to understand that the deck is surprisingly grindy. Like it, it had the stigma of, oh, you're just like a more sophisticated Belcher deck. Whereas the deck is yeah. really decent at grinding and, and exploring your weaknesses and what you can do and what you can't do, especially in the first game. Uh, that's surprise, surprise, right? Really made a deck first game really good. But um, I, I think that that deck can, can really go places and I, I'd love to see more of it. Maybe, you know, okay. maybe I'm actually going to play it tonight. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, yeah. I, the, I also just hate discard based combo decks against ragavan like when ragavan hits and takes the discard spell it feels that's pretty true bad. that's true yeah. it's probably like a place you don't want to be you don't want to be at by ragavan actually when i played the deck i played against a similar deck and i think i got to reanimate that grizzle brand twice <laughs> oh yes yeah there we go um when i was playing lantern at the local game store oh, i played that as well didn't I? yeah played lantern twice um I played against Dragon a few times and they kept hitting like Inquisitions and Thought Seasons. I was like, oh, fuck, so taking, <laughs> taking my incendiary bridges and stuff. It's it's quite rough playing Discard into I think, that. I think Eric is also doing really well with the deck on match. Isn't he like the trophy leader again? He is, though. Yeah. Yeah. So he's yeah probably proving it. So, yeah, you could be right. Like, maybe, maybe I'm just like making things up like usual. You know, the thing is just like, I, I, I like the idea of playing that deck against like all these quote-unquote control decks that are more like mid-range control, like band control, and even the chess guy Ragavan control. Like the Ragavan, okay, Ragavan is definitely a problem for the deck, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. If it hits discard, it's bad for you. Even though like half your discard, they can't even cast because it's going to be like Unmask and, and what's the other grief, I think it's called. Yeah. Um, but overall, I, I, I want to do that. And, the, and then like all the mid-range stuff, um, all the non-blue stuff, they... I don't think people have all that much graveyard. Like, why would you have graveyard hate these? Like, look at this event. Which deck do you want, like, proper graveyard hate against? Yeah, it's true. Nothing, I don't think. Um, I think I also recently, like, downgraded my graveyard hate quite a lot in the Fs in the sideboard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I think people are at this point, you, you're probably on something here. People are at this point where the green decks are banking on endurance to do all the heavy lifting. And then, I don't know, there's probably, like, 
that's somewhat similar to like w- what Eric said when when he said like, hey, when Deathroid Chairman was around, people were so reliant on Deathroid Chairman, which is like you know inherently slow. Uh, mm-hmm. That that's he did really well with that's why uh, with um, um, Black Rod reanimated during the Deathrite era. Yeah, yeah, I can see it. I can see it. Maybe give it a go. Let, let me know how you get along. You, I'm going to wait for your screenshot to send me of like, yeah, I play against Ragavan. They hit like reanimate <laughs> to take my thing that I entombed for around days. <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Uh, do you have any thoughts about um, other non-blue decks that that could be doing well, like Painter or something or um, Madness? So, so both decks, like, I think have potential. They're both, like, kind of tier two. Um, Madness, I think, just suffers the problem with it does incredibly powerful stuff. Like, you can sometimes be attacking for 15 on turn one and stuff, and it does have the power level. It just sometimes does kind of, like, fold to itself. Like, sometimes you mulligan a bit too much, or sometimes your random discards just hit the wrong things, and it's kind of weak to source splashes a lot of the time. Not like Hogat could grind through source plowshares quite easily by just playing like loads of two twos to the board. This one, you're like relying on Venge Vines and Hollow Ones to kind of get the damage. So I don't know. It's a good deck, it's powerful. Um it's definitely something to be respected. It's it has a lot of grinding power as well. Just playing it recently, I didn't realise how, you know, I was gambling Fox of Agonis very often and then you like LED discard some random stuff in your hand, you uh play the oxes quite easily. Um and then with all the, the cantrips or like the faithless looting and the burning inquiries, you do find what you want and gambles. So I was quite surprised by how well it can play like a slow game against control decks. But um, yeah, it, it's kind of weak to like snap, sword, snap. Oh, sword, snap, swords. <laughs> that way around. Um, Is that so, still a card? Snapcaster? <laughs> yeah, yeah, people play it, I think. I hear it's coming back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because Source of Plowish's prismatic ending are so good. It's actually got really good targets to flashback. Mm-hmm. And then... Painter, I don't know. It's it's fine. It doesn't like to see loads of um, lightning bolts, honestly, and that's about it. And so it was kind of. It's I've been actually really enjoying playing blue because main deck hydro blasts are fantastic right now. Like almost every single deck's playing red of some kind. Like obviously Ragavan and Dragon Rage Talons everywhere. So I think that's pretty legit. And I think hydro blast is actually better than pyroblast in the the painter deck. But after that, is it? Huh. Yeah. Well, currently in the format, I think. Mm-hmm. Because there's just <laughs> you just care less about the blue cards than you do the red cards, um, but it's still it's. I, I guess it, the blue card I care about the most is, is Murktide Regent. That card is so good. It is. I don't know if this is even a hot take anymore, but I think it's actually yeah. better than Dragon Rage Channel and Ragavan. It's absurd. I guess it's still somewhat of a hot take. Like, there's actually like a really interesting debate um, on on like Magic Twitter and everywhere between mm. those three cards because you have people making the case for all of those three cards, and I literally couldn't tell you what my opinion is. Yeah, on that. to be fair, they're all <laughs> ridiculously good, and so it it could change any minute. Like, if if Red Painter becomes tier one all of a sudden, then yeah, Mokhtar gets worse. But uh, maybe I think this is actually just my emotion speaking. I just keep losing to that Mokhtar. It's just. It's so ridiculous. It's yeah, like Murktide is really weird in the sense, like you know, these games that we used to have like against like Canadian Threshold, mm-hmm. where like the game goes back and forth. You think you're like in an okay position, and then they really exhaust all their resources, like literally all their resources, to put two Tarmogoyfs to the table, mm-hmm. and then like hit you twice with those. I yeah. feel like with Murktide, that's like one fewer card that actually need to invest, and it still hits just as hard and kills you like in two swings most of the time. Yeah, and and that's yeah. scary about the card. It's just a yeah. It's just so big. Like I play, I played against it on uh, last week, and they just go yeah, play one, and next time play another one, make it a 
I don't know, 10 okay, times. That, that, that's excessive. Like, you don't yeah. even need the second one very often. Oh, the, the, the first one was lethal. The second one made it lethal. It's yeah, just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, you, you, so you're, you're saying it killed you, like, on the first attack, even? Yeah, yeah. I see, I see. They yeah. played one on, like, turn three or four. That's actually and, insane. And then the second one exiled five more things. <laughs> so, yeah, anyway. So, yeah. Cool. Um, I do think Green White Depths is quite good, though. Since Blue Red Delvers just cut their Brazen Borrowers, there's just not a lot of removal for Marit Lage. And Green White gets access to, like, Swords and Prismatic Ending, which are, again, really good against Delver. Um, Knight is still very against against Delver. There's, like, basic lands are very strong in the format right now. And Delver's even sometimes cutting down on Wastelands. But, um, oh, Knight is just, like, Wastelanding decks out. It's, it still happens as well. So I'm kind of kind of high on the idea of green white depths i just haven't played it myself so yeah that's one on my radar i think now you're getting me excited for maverick like i, I love <laughs> like wastelanding out people with night and like you know like script ranger and stuff and script- oh my god script ranger blocks murktide regent it does protection blue easy it gets, game it gets bolted but yeah yeah but I mean- <laughs> <laughs> who plays bolt <laughs> I, I hear there's other other creatures in the deck that get bolted too <laughs> that's that's a very fair argument yeah. Cool. Um, so moving on, we, we get another question from Never Shoot. Surprise, surprise, it's about Storm. No. <laughs> Why did Odd Nauseam Tendrils disappear almost entirely? Popular explanation was the printing of Vale of Summer, but seeing how little a card sees play, it seems like a straw man. Yeah, I, d- I don't buy the Vale argument either. It's, um, I don't know, I'm taking a bit of a stab in the dark here, but it's, it's multiple things, obviously. One, I think the main thing is, Ant has always prided itself on being this very grindy deck. It plays slowly. It's going to disrupt you with some hand disruption. It has the explosive potential to kill you, like in the first couple of turns, of course, as well, which you need to be able to have these free wins in in the Legacy format. But I think Legacy is just sped up by like half a turn over the last couple of years. And that has really hurt Ant because their average kill turn is like three, probably three or four. And the difference between that is it's pretty astronomical. Like if if they're averaging that still... But other decks are just killing you faster, and like other combo decks just keep getting new new cards and kill you faster. I think that that's part of it. So a, a bit slower. The grinding just isn't as good as well. Like Pass and Flames is always a trump against blue decks, but now Force Negation really hurt the power of Pass and Flames, and that was their main thing. Like Ant was always a Pass and Flames deck, not an Ad Nauseum deck. So that's probably a little bit of part of it as well. Endurance mustn't help there as well. Um, after that. To know, I think some of the better ant players like have moved on to Doomsday, like like Martin as well, and, and Kai, for example, and a few others. Um, Doomsday is obviously just I think I think it is a better deck. But, it's way better, I would say. Yeah, and I don't know these these people just like dark ritual decks. They don't need to be tied to <laughs> tied to ant. And I think it shows good player growth to be able to go from deck to deck, but still stay in your micro archetype or something. But um, I think with regards to um, Void of Summer. Uh, I think the way I understood um, the reasoning, the argument, but that was already like something that happened more than last summer ago, was that just because Whale existed, people didn't want to play the deck. Like in- initially, I remember a lot of people being like, "Oh, Whale is really good and Aunt," but yeah, but it's also really good against it. And then people stopped playing Aunt, and then mm-hmm. nobody really went back and picked it up again, even though Whale of Summer kind of disappeared for the format outside of, I guess, the Epic Storm. I agree. And yeah. like, so there could be a place for a Nauseam Fantasy. The only thing is. Is it really worth it? Because Doomsday is just so much better against the field. And yes, Doomsday is, from what I understand, significantly worse against Delver. Mm-hmm. But that's really pretty much it. Um, I think in one of our legacy chats, we, we talked about like how the Doomsday group released their win percentage. And against Delver, it was like really, really bad. 
Yeah. But then their overall win, win percentage was like absurdly high between 60 and 70%. Yeah. And that already factors in the really low win percentage against Diver, which is also the deck they play against the most. So if you were to look at their win percentage against non-Diver decks, it would need to be even higher than that. And I mean, there's probably some bias because that's just like the way on average people report the data. But there's still some truth to it. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if Doomsday had like the highest win percentage against the field, against the non-Diver field in all of Legacy. And it, it's kind of hard to like go from there to Ad Nauseam just to increase your diver matchup. Uh, Ad Nauseam Tendrils, that is. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, people just aren't, yeah, they, they're not really playing it, are they? So, I don't know. Yeah, it seems, I think it's a lot better than people led on. It's probably weaker to Veil. I mean, the thing is, Veil is still really, really good against it. And so it's the threat, right? So you could you could bring Ant back and it could be very good right now. Um, there have been some challenge top eights over the last few months and it was with... Um, I don't remember the name, but an Italian guy who had dark confidence in the sideboard. Like, that's a great way to fight Vale, because <laughs> you need this uh, this way to fight like card advantage of some kind. But um, I don't know. It's yeah, Vale is this problem. It's like a thorn in the side that's not not hurting you enough to actually have to properly take it out. But it's there. It, it, it sucks when it gets played against you, and you do have to grind through it, and it's hard. You need to play like uh, Defense Grid or City of Solitude or something. To really get through Some, it. Something I see quite one. a lot is um, that people play Peer into the Abyss instead of a Nauseam. That's true, yeah. The lists look pretty uh, pretty much like the um, like the normal uh, NT lists, but they, they just like play Peer into the Abyss. I don't know if, if that's going to become the new standard for the deck, at which point we should really like look into renaming it. <laughs> yeah. It's like P- well, Peter Tendrils or something. <laughs> Peter Tendrils, yeah. I think Marcus was playing a lot of it. It's just like Blue Black uh, Jax as well. <laughs> He's always there at the front of like combo innovation i think he was playing he's playing it tons a while ago and i think i streamed the jarvis quite like six months ago at least like just a straight blue black kind of control deck it had thought seize force of will days baleful strix and then all you need is like a appearance of the abyss and off seven mana and then you usually win so it's quite cool marcus was then like adding impact negations and stuff so you can beat delver quite well with them so oh, yeah <laughs> yeah this, that could totally that be the approach right. to it yeah, I mean that, that that that's also like basically the doomsday approach right now, right? That that mm-hmm. Kai is pioneering. Um, he, he's got like four forces in the main deck, uh, and then like between the main and the side, four pact of negations and four force of negations. Like he, he has like basically twelve zero mana counters in the deck if he wants to. <laughs> Seems <laughs> good. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, uh, another question about um, an archetype that hasn't really put up a lot of numbers lately, coming to us from Achilles. Why do you believe Elves has not performed well in online tournaments or paper tournaments from what I have seen lately? The lower levels of Plague Engineer and Sweepers would seem to lend itself to a good environment for the deck. Quickly, I'm <sighs> going to say I agree, and I don't I don't understand why we're not seeing more of it as well. But you're much better suited to answer. Yeah, I thought you, you could answer that because I'm also not sure. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard. I think, Achilles, your, your reasoning makes total sense, and I honestly don't know either. Um, but at least, like... The, the easy answer but i don't know whether that's like a really good answer is that probably like not a lot of people are playing it like when, when you see the people who top eight it's always like the same numbers right it's always like the same names and overall i i don't know maybe it's just like not a lot of people are play- i think newton is also not playing a lot at least i don't see him in the challenges mm-hmm. i haven't played a lot of challenges i think uh, who, who else are like the testacular plays a lot of challenges actually, yeah. but he's usually finishing like top sixteen, top yeah. thirty-two. He's he's middling. He's still very very solidly doing well and like at least winning more matches than losing. But 
hasn't been on his hot streak like he was for a while where yeah. he just like consistently won for a while yeah i don't know <laughs> well the thing for me is um i i think i played it on the on the challenge on the weekend i started out like three hour or four hour i, I managed to beat jpa hey, hey and jpa played the craziest deck he played like a rock a rock one drop deck he literally played all the, the famous rock one drops he even had like nimble mongoose and stuff that was hilarious oh I, I love that but uh when it went wrong for me i kept running into like show and tell decks and i think i lost like a really tight one to diver i mean that that can always happen but then i literally i got destroyed by i think two show and tell decks and oh yeah the 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 ad nauseum peer into the abyss deck mm-hmm. and that made me go and just like put in a ton of combo hate into my sideboard and that's part of why i dropped so many um graveyard hate cards like i'm I went back from Leyline, now I'm playing like a lot of Discard and Surgical, which is like so much better against most combo decks. And yeah, like if if, I, if you press me for an answer, I would say one part is that Delva is always much worse against, uh, Elves is much worse against Delva than people think. Uh, the, the upside is that you can always like, you literally don't care about the Ragavan connects. Like you, you hate it that they get the extra mana, but whatever they reveal... You almost want them to spend the mana on that instead of like Ponda or anything else. But I guess that's the upside. But I still have to fully understand the matchup then because when Ragavan isn't that relevant, why do I still lose like a significant amount of matches to them? And usually the answer is, uh, what's his name? Merktide Regent. And that's why I'm playing a couple of copies of Runafowl in the sideboard because it also helps a lot against, you know, any of the Dark Depth decks. It's just mm-hmm. really awkward when they get you like with a Ragavan and Construct um, draw and, and have some more stuff on the ground and you're sitting there with Runafowl for like one or two turns too many. So, yeah, I, I think... I guess one point is that other than Death in Texas, Elves doesn't have that many great... Yeah, actually, that's a really good thing, now that I think about it. There's very few decks where I feel like, yes, I won the matchup lottery with Elves, you know? There's, people are not really playing Stoneblade decks, people are not playing like like these Maverick-esque decks, these, these all, all these like non-blue, n- not very good grindy mid-range decks. Those are not really a thing right now, and, and mm-hmm. that's usually where Elves shines. Yeah, that actually, even goblins. You know, I get destroyed by goblins left and right these days. My win percentage of goblins is abysmal with elves right now, and that's really not what it used to be. Uh, yeah, I, that makes sense because they were always preying on like the especially very heavy blue white based control decks and just out grinding them. But they've turned into these like kind of daisy lightning bolty standstilly decks. Is the the control? <laughs> So yeah. The stencil is not even the thing. Like stencil yeah. you can very easily beat, especially if you have discard and stuff. Mm-hmm. But like when I look at the challenge for here, uh here, like which decks do I want which decks do I actually feel good about playing against with Fs? That's Death and Texas. Uh, and then I look at the rest and all the other ones I don't feel actively like favored. There's tons of decks where I feel like super even, whether it's like Stancer, yeah, basically everything except for maybe Lance is really bad for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doomsday is really bad for you. Omnitel is really bad for you. The Epic Storm, if you like, with the average sidebot, is also bad for you. There, there's, yeah, on average, like the matchups suck. <laughs> do, do you think <laughs> the average matchup against the field is not great? Do you think there's more combo in Legacy currently? Mm, mm. The thing is, like, we don't see a lot of graveyard combo, so I, mm-hmm. I can't, like, we see a decent amount of combo, like we u- usually do, but. Since there's not so much graveyard combo, I think the there's still like we see more permanent combo based stuff. There's even also like these Mystic Forge combo decks. We see more, I guess, Enchantress, even though that's like a good matchup for elves. Um, I, yeah, I guess we see less graveyard combo and more like permanent and spell based combo, and mm-hmm. that's that's, that's kind of hard to beat for elves. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. 
Okay, so I think we kind of found the answer a little bit in the weeds. Yeah. But tough. Good question, because I was kind of stumped. good question, yeah. Yeah. So to close it out, um, because we, we already looked at the uh, showcase qualifier, which only had 27 players, I also got the... Um, the meta game and the win rates from the last three challenges. So I got the one from this weekend. Um, I think the one from Sunday is still missing, but you got the one from Saturday and from the week before. And I sorted it by uh, win percentage. So when you look at the best performing decks of those three weekends, uh, I think you can usually ignore the ones that have very few players, like one, two, three or something. Yeah, so all the top ones have one or two. Yeah, and that's usually somebody like who was like the only person playing that deck, and they went to the top eight because they yeah, yeah they they have like seventy five percent win percentage. That's mm-hmm. like Maverick Bomberman and the Epic Storm, but that's just like one person playing it. I, that's not really something you read too much into. Yeah, uh, is there anything that sticks out to you in, in those numbers, like of the decks that uh, have a little bit more people playing them? Yeah, wow, band control did badly. <laughs> um, <laughs> holy moly! So on Saturday it was forty two percent. On Saturday. 14th was uh, it's at the bottom 30 percent uh and on the saturday 15th was 46 percent it's pretty bad showing of, of like what people were touting as one of the best decks a month ago i mean again this is just like three sets of results but um i know there's like four players and six players and two players for the 46 um yeah that, that doesn't look great i guess people are just realizing Playing more Pyroblast probably beat it, and like more Murktide regions and stuff. Um, I guess part of that is also that um, uh, endurance isn't as good anymore now that the Devil players are playing Unholy Heat, which which yeah. gives it as a one for one trade. That's a good point. Yeah, very good point. Um, the the Jeskai Ragavan Saga deck seem to be doing very well, like very very well. That's the one I wanted to point out because cool. I think all the other ones, it's, it's kind of hard to say something about them. Like, yes, Doomsday is, is like decent stuff, but that's not too many people playing it. Because I'm trying to pick out the ones that have a bunch of players. Yeah. Yeah, that that's actually the most played deck in the first challenge, and it's mm-hmm. it is sitting on a 55% win rate. In the second challenge, it has like four people playing it. It's at 65%, and the last one, seven people played it, and they were like close to 60%. That that's probably the best performing deck out of those three weekends. Yeah, like w- when, once you apply a certain threshold of number of people playing it. Yeah, if I was a player and like a kind of a I guess top tier Magic Online grinder, and I was able to play any deck, I'd be looking at this thinking, this set of data tells me that this is the deck to play currently. Um, I guess the, the the conventions of naming this is the mid range deck without without Delver with the sagas, with, maybe with Standstill. I don't see if there's a difference. I can call it Arkham Pile. He, he's been pushing that. <laughs> yeah, just I like cards. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just have a thing about people calling their own decks after their their names. Uh, moving swiftly onwards. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Great performance. When are you going to see Column Pile? Never in my life. Moment people. I mean, start... Every single deck you play is a Column Pile. <laughs> the moment someone calls it something Column Pile, I'm just going to never play the deck You're again. You're going to move on. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, deck seems great. Um, it's continuing to perform. It doesn't really have any natural weaknesses, does it? It's uh, it attacks from different angles. Like it has the turn one Ragavan with counter magic backup threat, like, especially in the blue mirrors and stuff. Uh, as a saga, it really does go over the top of some things. Like it, the, the grindy potential with that card fetching up retrofits of foundries, really strong against other control decks. And it's just like 
it operates on this axis that Delver's always had for years and control decks were like so jealous of where Delver's card advantage is operating off like three or less lands and it can afford to operate off those lands and like play a play exactly the game it wants to play whereas control was always having to go over the top with more expensive spells historically but now your your win conditions are saga and like dragon rage challenger if they're playing it and ragavan and murktide region and so they don't need to go above three or four lands now they're happy to just stay at this land count i mean saga is like a, a land that sacrifices for example so yeah they are now these like grindy control decks that don't need to make land drops and so are having this card advantage in the same way so um i guess that's where like a lot of their power is coming from i think yeah what i like about the deck um i played that actually quite a lot is, is the synergy between raga one and the sagas because one thing about the sagas very often is you you feel put in a position where you could actually do something good like stifle a fetch land or whatever but you don't really because you also want to make a token but once Ragavan comes in and actually gives you that extra Lotus Petal, you very often can do both. Mm-hmm. And and that's just like really cool. And you already mentioned, right, how, how Saga as a land as a land you can't really rely on. Eventually it's gonna go away. And and Ragavan is somewhat fixing that. And for just like one mana, that's really sweet. And and then like this is like the base zero, right? This is this is your floor kinda. Mm-hmm. Uh, except for like if it gets Karakast, right? Then it's really bad. But this otherwise, this is your floor. And then you have that extra thing where if you play against blue decks, and I guess there might also be a couple of non-blue decks where it has like decent stuff you can hit. Like I, I've heard Eddie mention that it's a really big deal if you hit uh, Sylvan Library against lands. Um, but yeah, it, it's just like so good in the blue mirror, right? Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. I guess that's this is where you want to be. So if, if I was to come to it and be like, okay, how do we exploit this deck? I almost want to be almost always want to be in that position where I just overwhelm it with like something. It's like, okay, I know that you kind of can do everything, but your hand like right now is like two pandas and a saga and those eventually are going to do something, but we're going to do something now mm-hmm. and you better be ready for it. And this is like where I keep going back to something like madness or I I, I don't know, something that that I closes the game before DNT the machinery like, can kick in. On paper, DNT seems like a perfect counter to this. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, DNT is annoying. When mm-hmm. I played that, DNT was really annoying. I didn't, I think I didn't really understand the matchup. Um, I think I still don't fully understand the matchup. Uh, but I remember that DNT was annoying, mm-hmm. and while especially. And yeah. I, I felt I didn't really have very good counterplay against DNT, they especially have, in the color combination. Yeah, this is like Vile is obviously good against control decks. Then you have Thalia is stopping most of their deck down. Um, you have the Wastelands and Ports for the Sagas. Um, you have Flicker Wisp for the, the tokens. Um, you have Caracas and Blockers like for, for Regavan. Yeah, yeah, like everything kind of lines up well. So I'd love to see, uh, maybe I should uh, find out if we can get the information on like what the actual matchup percentage is for each side. Um, you can get that from that um, from the data collection group. And mm-hmm. I think I actually looked into that. But at that point, the d- data like gets really thin. Uh, okay. So you would actually really need to combine like a couple of events to, to get some deep end inside yeah, to that. Otherwise, yeah. you're looking at like, oh, the, they played like five matches and like one deck went four one, which sounds really great. But then you just like you change one match and it's like three and two, which is like yeah. super close. And <laughs> no, you, you, need, you need like, I guess, 20 matches to start to make conclusions but this is by the way something that i would love to see the data collection group doing i mean it, it's all their thing right and they they want to like get support for that yeah i would love to see if they like at the end of a month put it all together and and put it out there i believe and, they are expanding their data so um Viverus, who's alex um who plays like of tez fame who writes for the the epicstorm.com i believe he's getting involved and he's good like with- <laughs> yeah exactly uh he, he's good with data i believe so he's going to be helping out with things 
don't quote me on it, but I think that's that's what's happening. So maybe we can talk to him and see if that's something they could do. Because I'd love to see that as well. Because people like data, people love seeing data, but people like me, I'm terrible with understanding data unless it's very simplified. And I love looking at this. You've, it's color coded. I can see green is good, red <laughs> is bad, and I can see the see the actual numbers. And like this is the win rate I like to see. Um, yeah. Otherwise, pouring through too much data, my my brain starts to fizzle a bit and. Uh, that's By the way, Monocreen <laughs> Cloudpost is also doing horribly. I just noticed, like, it has four players in the first three events, and the third event it has doesn't even show third up. Event, no, it's at the top. The third event is at the top. Third top deck. Oh, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> so the first two events, it got slaughtered. Oh, yeah. and the so third event, it, yeah, first two is like 40% and 36%, and then 62 I mean, this is, like, a good example, perfect example to kind of segue into saying, yeah, the results, we're drawing conclusions from it, but it is still one event with four players. Um, like one person losing a win and in uh, yeah. off like a very good top deck or an unlucky play or whatever can stop them top eighting and then the like getting three more results or wins from it and stuff. It's it's all very small margins. I'm kind of making something up there, but um, this this is the eternal problem with magic data. We don't have enough to like make conclusions yeah. that people will ever take seriously. So we extrapolate what we can. So we're extrapolating the data, but Again, don't be like if you're a, a post player and we, you hear Julian Callacy saying, ha, look at them and they're 40%. Um, you know, it, yeah, it's yeah. just it's just what we can. But we, we take and we make conclusions and assumptions where we can. Well, you know you know what I would also love to see? I'm just like seeing that in the data right now. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not like drawing the conclusion from the data because it's only yeah. one person playing. It was just like a deck that popped back into my mind that's Eldrazi. This is Eldrazi is basically the thing um, that that I just described where you you put too much pressure on your opponent, so they can't really like unfold their amazing game plan the way like Jessica Ragavan maybe could. I'd completely forgotten that deck existed. Completely. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Me too. I was and happy. Like, <laughs> you, just, you just get in there with like a smasher and another smasher, and you, yeah, uh, yeah uh, uh, maybe uh, it's not good enough because I, it's I like better. It's bad against Saga. Like if they make a six-six construct, you're just like, yeah. oh, oh, I can't beat a six-six. That was always the problem. Like, yeah. I don't know. Maybe past like the creatures. Like Chalice is uh, prismatic ending is good against Chalice, but yeah, I don't it's know. Really good. <laughs> yeah, but Delver's kind of not playing it. But the, the Enchantress. Su- Enchantress is up there as well. Like we, we see yeah. Spatula of the Ages doing reasonably well with that. Oh, and he's playing that really sweet new card from the new set. Um Druids uh, class? No 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 um it's it's Paladin class. Paladin class, yeah. Pretty it cool. Basically four spikes everything your opponent plays on your turn. Yeah. And then it pumps your creatures, but for for like I think is it just like one mana and making everything cost one mana more on your on your turn for the opponent. Yeah it costs it, one white mana and it I think non-creature spells cost one more uh-huh. on your turn. So basically the same, yeah. And then... Yeah, Vendillion click damn gets bastard. Yeah, or Endurance maybe. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. And then um, it, it gives double strike and pump stuff on the later things, which, I don't know, seem like flavor text, but I've watched... Uh, we have a guy called Alex in our local group who absolutely adores Enchantress, and he's killed some people with it. He was doing the Destiny Spinner, make a big yeah. thing, and then give it double strike. So, yeah. Stack can kill out of nowhere pretty quickly, actually. Yeah. Yeah, it's got it's got tons of new tools in the last few years actually, which is cool to see. Like it's got the new legend, green white legend as well, right? Yeah, the green white, the two mana um, uh, enchantress that yeah. also gains you life and yeah, yeah, yeah. So pretty cool. Uh, like, awesome. Because we went into like a deep dive on Destiny Spinner when it came out, I think. We, were, like, <laughs> we might have. I love the card. Yeah, it's so good in the deck. So 
yeah anything else jump out in the data uh no is, is there anything like to me every time we, we finish an episode i'm like oh damn i, I want to play this i want to play that i want to <laughs> take advantage of this and that and then yeah. i get into leaks and it's like completely other decks that i <laughs> totally didn't expect that i'm horrible against i'm like yeah this yeah. deck is trash let's go back to ours <laughs> yeah yeah oh, man. <laughs> but yeah i want to i want to try actually maybe i'm gonna try a drazi Maybe just like smash some Eldrazi's and see what happens. But I think I still have like an Elf Sleek that I need to finish first. But yeah, that, um, oh, yeah. I'm, All right, tell me when you like run into a ten ten construct. Yeah, I mean I still have Wastelands. Maybe, maybe that's, that's going to be a way to to stop that. Maybe um, what's it called? Play Samus Rep. No, play Red Eldrazi for Eldrazi Obligator. <laughs> and then you steal seriously, it. Oh, no. seriously. I told that story, right? I'm not going to repeat that in detail about the guy who tried to sue me because I released his Eldrazi obligator <laughs> yes. list. Yeah. That was amazing. Well, actually, you, you hadn't told us it was obligated till now. <gasps> we got the juice, everyone. We got it. Yeah. Damn. I'm going to prison now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then the obligator is going to come and take me out. Uh, okay, cool. So I think that's it. That's it for today, everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, if you want to support our celebration of Kalam's birthday you can do that by joining our discord now so yeah do <laughs> if you want to hit the discord um hit us up on patreon.com slash everyday channel you can can become a patreon and support the running of the show or if you want to do us another really big favor you can go to apple podcasts and leave a five-star review of the everyday channel podcast thank you so much for that if you are up for that if you want to follow us on social media, it's at EternalMTG on both Twitter and Instagram. If you want to find me on Twitter, that's at it's Julian23. And Callum, for you, I think on Twitter, it's at WhitefacesMTG. White MTG. Mm-hmm. And Twitch is at Whitefaces. But you haven't streamed in a while, neither have I. Yeah. <laughs> Get, getting, back, getting back to like working a lot is, is tough. I'm going to stream the Sweet Shard Fate uh, shard, shard deck. Oh, yeah. Week. When are you doing that? Because I'm going to tune in. And not, um, not make fun. Definitely not on an alternate account. Definitely not up to no good. Uh, up to all. So, sometime this week, um, I, I set up the new monitor now, which totally destroyed my OBS setup because it's like a higher resolution than the previous oh, okay. one. And I need to redo that. Like I was planning on doing that either today or tomorrow, but it's going to be pushed back a couple of days, but sometime this week. Sweet. Awesome. With that, thanks a lot to our biggest supporters on Patreon, on Eternal Witness tier, Tommy Hinks, Testacular, Sebastian Holager, Guillaume, Jake, and Severin Schwarzuber. And on Grizzlebrand here, Victor Benatzt, Bachu Butts, Scott Monroe, Jeremy Gates, Henrik Korkutz, Tom Hepp, Bill Schlichting, and Paragon Games in St. Louis. By the way, Paragon Games in St. Louis putting out a really big tournament. I think, don't make me lie, but I think it's for an underground sea. So if you're in that area, definitely hit them up on Facebook and you can find a ton of information about that. Whoa. Yeah, <laughs> let's fly over. <laughs> Sweet. Awesome. So everybody have a great time. See you and until next time. Bye-bye. Ciao.